This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fencider with the PH. Hey guys, it's Thursday night. It's actually Kevin hosting the show for once. I know it's been a while since I've been up on the air, but I am back, so we have a Fencider radio podcast to bring to you. We are live. If you are listening to us live, you can head over to thefinsider.com. Check out our live thread there. Any questions, any comments, anything you want to bring up or have us talk about, put it in there. We'll, we'll bring it up on air. You can also give us a call at 347-326-9461. And I'm monitoring Twitter, so if you send me a tweet at thefinsider, I can pick it up that way too. I got Duke with me tonight, so Duke, how are you? I'm doing all right. Good. It's uh, It's been a while since we've done this show, both for me, it's been even longer, but for the site as well, it's just things have been popping up and people have gotten sick, people have been busy, it's just been a crazy time, so we haven't been able to have a show for a while. I think uh, I think our last show was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. So lots of stuff has happened over the past few weeks as the, the podcast hasn't been able to cover it. Everything from... Michael Sam coming out as a draft prospect all the way through the Ted Wells report through today, Richie Incognito apparently beating his Ferrari with a baseball bat. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff going on, all kinds of craziness. And, oh, by the way, there's also an off season going on. So you have the combine, 
Uh, we're in the last few days before the franchise tag has to be used by and can be used. Let me not say he has to be used, but the, the last few days for the franchise tag period. And we're getting ready to hit free agency in like two weeks. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And yet it just seems like it's slow and there's nothing really happening. But uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the combine. Who stood out to you from the combine this week or last week? Well, um, I haven't, still haven't gotten through to watching all of it yet, but I have checked some of the numbers. Um, I don't know if there was really anybody that stood out um, positively or really negatively. I mean, everybody. I don't think there's just someone that was kind of. Kind of, kind of bad. I mean, the one surprise that I, I recall was um, was Marquise Lee running like a four-five something, somewhere in that range. And you know, he wasn't. No one is ever going to say he was a burner. So he's never going to be that four-three guy kind of guy. But he that was a little slower time than what I kind of expected. But it, it's one of those that um, you'll go back and watch his tape, and you'll see. Well, you know, he he plays fast. Um, they said he did well in the drills, uh, the, the catching the ball and things like that. So, um, you know, that somebody may cause that his stock to drop. Uh, everyone keeps their own times anyway, so no one knows what, you know, the chance are sitting there at 18 and maybe they want, want him as a receiver. Maybe that clocked him at 4, four five. You know, so who knows. Um, that was a surprise. Um, I think Jadavion Clowney came in and, and kind of wowed some people with his athleticism, or you right. know, it was kind of expected he was going to do well. Um, uh, some of the tackles, I think Greg Robinson did well. Um, I think well. Robinson definitely established himself as the top, mm-hmm. or top tackle. I almost said tight end, but top tackle in this year's draft, just based yeah, on that. And a couple of surprises, I guess, or some that I've read about was. Um, a guy I'm not a big fan of anyway was Cyrus Quanjo. Um ran a very slow time. Did you did you have you seen any of what he did out there? I I think I caught maybe one I've already deleted that one off the DVR. I caught one of his kick slide drills and um although uh, I think it was you Keys said that, you know, it's kinda of hard to kinda of hard to watch because every time he would do something, Mike Mayock and everyone else was kind of on his case, but you know, I think that when you add in that medical stuff, I think that could drop him a couple of rounds. And he was a guy that I've mentioned before. As a, he's not a – if if you're the Dolphins, all right, picking at 19, and you need a left tackle, that's not the guy you take because he's a project at this point. He's a guy that – he's not a plug-and-play guy. Um He's a guy that you have concerns with that you need to develop a little bit. And I think when you get to those areas, the teams that could take him would be uh, teams of, say, older left tackles um, that they're kind of phasing out later in the first round maybe or a guy that just falls to the second or third round. So, um, yeah, he was a guy that I was – you know, he was kind of one of those people we expected to, to have a good showing in terms of athleticism. And that didn't really happen. And then the medical thing came out, and that that'll crush anyone's draft stock. And then um, David Yankee was another offensive lineman. Real quick, just before a, you just before you move on to Yankee, for those of you that haven't heard, 
Uh, it came out during the combine that Quanjo had been failed by multiple teams. It didn't say how many, but it had been failed by multiple teams on his physical for having arthritis in his knee. And everybody, you, you hear it every year, oh, that guy has stiff hips, especially for cornerbacks, or that guy looks stiff, all those kinds of things. And a lot of times, if you're watching the combine, you're not seeing what these guys are talking about. To you, to the normal fan, you don't see it unless you're focused in on exactly what you're looking for. With Quanjo, when he was up there, he was the definition of stiff. Everything he did, it just it looked labored, and he wasn't – he just – it could very much be his knee was really bothering him in Indianapolis. That, that could be the cause for it, but, yeah – I think his medical issues, and then he just – he did not look smooth. He did not look fluid. He's definitely going to drop. But, okay, yeah. on to Yankee. And I think Yankee was one of the people expected to be more of an athletic-type guard, and he didn't show up as well in the, in the drills to be as athletic. And, and, and something to point out, and this is something that Mike Mayock said, and this is what people – I mean, the average fan, we watch stuff, and we – you know, even even – the most educated of fans that know a lot of football can catch some things. One of the things Mike Max told me, he said, Dick Vermeil was talking about was ankle flexion. And he told me, he said, when, when, a, when a, a tackle or a guard or whatever goes into his stance, uh, when he's in his three-point stance there, his, his feet need to be flat on the ground. They don't need to be up on their ankles. He said, if you see that, them coming off of their heels, he says, it's a little stiffness somewhere, either in their ankles or something else like that. So I was sitting there, and I watched it during my lunch break, and I thought, hmm, I'll try that. So I got down in the three-point stance, and sure enough, I couldn't get my heels down. I have bad ankles, so I, I can explain that. Plus, I'm I'm old, you know, compared to those kids. So, um, yeah, it's stuff like that that you got to watch for. Now, um, another guy that I thought did that I read did well was Aaron Donald. He's definitely on the Dolphins' radar, especially if we can't get our defensive tackles resigned. I'm a little bit undersized, but he came through with, with massive athleticism. Um, another guy that I thought could have hurt his stock a little bit was Teddy Bridgewater. And not that he uh, he didn't do anything at the combine. And, you know, most of the time when, when guys do that, it's at the behest of their agents. They say, you know, you don't need to do this. But when a guy like uh, Blake Bortles goes out there and does that, and some of the others go out there and throw. Now, it's different when it's Andrew Buck. You know, a surefire top pick. I mean, no one, even if Andrew Luck had gone out there and thrown every ball into the dirt, no one is going to say, hey, this guy sucks. I mean, they know what they were going to get. These guys aren't aren't at that level. These are not guys who say, oh, yeah, he's a surefire number one pick. So to not throw, I think, I don't know necessarily hurt his stock, but it may raise some questions and cause him to drop a pick or two. Um, yeah, those are some guys that's noticed. I think uh... – I think a guy that absolutely is going to climb boards, and I know it's going to drive you crazy, but I think Moncrief had a great performance out there, and I would not be surprised if he slides into the end of the first round. He just he he did himself really well out there. Um, um, first he had of all, a, you need to stop saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he did well. The everything that I've read about him was that his his issue was going to be time speed. Uh, yeah. One thing I read said, you know, he doesn't. he's probably not going to have great time speed, but if you watch his film, he never gets caught from behind. He's always outrunning guys. 
And that's something I want to point out, too, that 40 times, you know, the, the main thing about the combine is that it makes you, I think, it, as they were talking about on there, it, it, you either check the box or you have to go back and watch tape. All right, when Jadavian Clowney goes out there and does his thing, you check the box. You say, all right, that's what we expected. We go, you know, we're done with that analysis. When a guy goes out there and does something unexpected, it makes you go back and watch. So why did this guy do something? And there are a couple of examples, both positive and negative, of that. Is um, like I mentioned, Marquise Lee. You know, he runs, he clocks a bad forty time, or what would be considered a bad forty time. It makes you wonder why. You know, he doesn't. He he plays faster than that. What's the deal? And a guy from last year was Ryan Swope. You watch his yeah. tape, and you don't see a guy that runs a four three four. And so he, he posts a time like that. So wait a minute, I didn't expect that. So, uh, you know, you watch this, and the thing with Moncrief was they thought he was going to be a slower guy, maybe a 4-5 kind of guy. And he goes out and runs a 4-4 four, four flat. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was pretty nice. Um, I was talking with one of my friends today, he's a big Carolina Panthers fan, and I, I told him, I said, it wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers didn't pick him up with their pick. Um, they've got some issues at left tackle now with Jordan Gross retiring, but um, and some, some other stuff, but... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see what you just said if he wouldn't fall uh, slide into the end of the first round. Although a lot of a lot of places that I'm reading still have him pegged as kind of a third round kind of guy, and I'm not sure why. Um, I don't know. I think you know I, I put up my post today. If he's there in the second round, I mean, if I if I was in charge, I would take him. Um, right. He's got he's got speed. He's got size. He plays well. He, he he runs routes well, which is important. If you watch him, he can absolutely, uh, you know, he can absolutely uh, stem corners. He he knows how to, to get open without having to just blow by guys. So, um, yeah, I would like to see him come with the Dolphins um, very much. So, another guy that I think ran well and did well was Jordan Matthews, and I know uh, Dolphin yep. Dolphin fan for life has mentioned him a lot on the site, and uh, I think he ran a good time, um, somewhere around the four four range like that. And uh, he's a big guy, six three, and some other stuff, and um, a big receiver that has has that kind of speed. And so he was a he was another guy that people thought might have a slower time because of that, but did not. So uh, I think he's a guy on the radar too. I'm not watching a lot of tapes of him, but um, he, he's another guy that could slide into the end of the first round there. So yeah, I think Moncrief and, and Matthews did well for themselves, which it's nice to see. But I'm really hoping they can come, one of those guys can come with the Dolphins. Jason Scott brought up a question. It's a good one because I think that you're going to start to see, um, especially with all the news of the Dolphins targeting Eugene Monroe or Brandon Albert, you're going to start to see, I think, a lot of mock drafts start to consider defensive tackle for the Dolphins, especially if we don't re-sign Soli or Starks. So if you were if you were looking defensive tackle, who do you think could be available at the 19th spot, and who would you consider picking with at the 19th spot at deep tackle? Um, I, you know, it, it depends. Um, now, are we are we saying that we can't get any of our guys currently resigned? Right. All right. So if we can't get any of the guys currently signed, then it depends on what you look for with scheme. For example. Let's say Lewis Nix is available. He's a one-technique kind of guy. He's a nose tackle. He's a Paul Soliai type. He's not a guy that you're going to expect to rush the passer, although he can collapse the pocket. Um, you know, 
that's that's one particular target if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for more of the pass rushing type, you've got the Aaron Donalds. You've got guys like Hageman, who may be a five technique, but is more like the Jared Audrick type, that kind of build. So, you know, there's Timmy Jernigan. I mean, it just depends on kind of what you're looking for and what your need is. Um, I do think one of the defensive tackles that we have will be re-signed, and I think if we were going to go defensive tackle in the first round, it depends on who gets re-signed. I think that's I think that's the key point there is because, you know, if you need a Paul Solia type and Lewis Nix is available, that's who you're going after. If you're going after a Randy Starks type, three technique, you know, you're going to look at one of these other guys like Donald or whoever. I think that I, – I do agree. I think that at least one of the two is getting re-signed. Probably – it could happen over the weekend, and I won't be around this weekend, so it probably will happen this weekend just because I won't be here to write about it. Um, but I think that probably over the weekend, maybe the first part of next week, you're going to start uh, you're going to start hearing of things like Brent Grimes or Paul Soliai or Nolan Carroll. Uh, some of these guys are going to start getting re-signed, and I think those three probably are the first three up in the – um, re-signing line. I just I think that obviously Grimes needs to stay. I think Soliad probably is going to stay, and then I think the Dolphins are going to want to keep Carroll simply because he can start if needed, and if not, he's a very good backup. I think that people. I I think that, and maybe it was you that just wrote this, but I think a lot of people. Yeah, I think it was your post, wasn't it, about Carroll that. Uh, a lot of people give Carroll they, – they, they dislike Carroll based on what they remember of him like as a rookie and a young player. But now that he's developed some, he's actually pretty decent. He's not going to be Brent Grimes going to the Pro Bowl. He's not going to be Darrell Revis out there. But he's going to be somebody that can go out there and at least, at least give you support, if not get you that interception occasionally. And that's yeah. what you need I mean, from he, a he three got, or four. Yeah, I mean, he got he picked off three passes this year. Uh, and, and in fact, yep. he, uh, he he got the first turnover of the season, um, which was garbage because he, he landed in the end zone. They said he was down for one yard line. But anyway, I mean, he, he played well for what he was asked to do. Now, the only issue that you have with re-signing him, in my opinion, is – do you see him as a progress stopper for right. guys like Will Davis and Jamar Taylor? But at this point, you don't know what those guys can bring to the table. Um, they got very few snaps last year. Um, and one thing I want to point out, because it was it was mentioned at the time, uh, and I remember saying something on the game thread, and I saw it in some subsequent threads it's during the Patriots game when everyone got hurt, and uh, Will Davis and Michael Thomas and everybody else, the, all the backups were out there against Tom Brady. Right. And it just seemed like that they were running slant route after slant route after slant route against Will Davis. And he came, he, he uh, said later to a reporter that that's what they told him to do. They said, listen, they're going to do that to you. You let it happen, just make a tackle. But you're not getting right. deep. Do not let them buy you under any circumstance. So he's playing 10 yards off the guy and just making the tackle. Um and so it was maddening to see because I mean it was one of those I think what is, I think maybe it was uh, 
somewhere on the side said it's like Tom Brady um, yep. just, just kind of carving you up little by little by little, and that's what they were doing. But that's what he was told to do. And so I, that was one thing that I think some fans were, you know, had some contention about. So he and I never saw anyone brought up the article where, where I think it was Omar or someone from the some you know asked him. He said, "Yeah, I was I was told stay back." let the play happen in front of me, and that's why he played that way. But other than that, we really don't have a lot of film on these guys from what they've done. Now, I expect them to be coming healthy this year, and I expect them to get some playing time. But, I mean, Nolan Carroll, you know, um, let me let me pull up uh, some, some, some things here about him from pro football focus. I know not everyone agrees with well, all you. Well, you – while you do that, I got a question from Twitter real quick that I just wanted to address. It's from Kevin. It's at West KLW. Uh, mm-hmm. He just asked, have there been any medical updates on the Finns wide receivers? And no, don't really expect anything. Um, probably sometime around end of March, first part of April, you'll start to hear that guys are working out a little bit. But no, nothing on Brandon Gibson or um, who else went down for the year? completely blanking right now on our um, injured list. Heartline was injured at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, Heartline was, you're right. And obviously, I'm not counting Dustin Keller in that because he's a free agent at this point and may or may not be back. But no, no updates. Don't expect anything for a while. It's the off season. You won't get anything. Um, maybe if somebody goes into – if you go into uh, – like the Finsiders radio show, the Dolphins actual radio show. If uh, if you if one of them goes in there, they may say, "Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'll be ready for the season." But uh, you're not going to hear much. And uh, Armand Benz is the other guy I was trying to think of. Armand yeah. Benz. Um, nothing, you won't hear anything for a while on them. Just it's the nature of the off season. But okay, back to Carol. Um, well, here, here's the. And here's the thing with, with him, and, and this is kind of the, the, the sticking point. So there, there's going to be some free agents out there who are good, um, good cornerbacks. Um, a, a, a guy that sticks out in my mind that I'm, I'm looking at right here is, uh, I'm trying to say his name right, Alteron Verner from Tennessee, um, 25 years old, a very good corner, plays very well. He could be a guy that they, they might target. I don't know that they would go after him and Brent Grimes at the same time. But if you're going for that, that means you're kind of giving up on the two guys you just drafted last year. So that's not kind of the same with, with Nolan Carroll. But here's some guys that Nolan Carroll, that they have ranked ahead of of him or got ranked behind him. Okay. Um, he is tied in terms of their grading with Sam Shields. He's ahead of Asante Samuel, Akib Tlaib, um, Antoine Quezon, Mike Jenkins, Charles Tillman, Richard Marshall, just some guys that that got fairly significant amount of snaps, uh, and and they graded Nolan Carroll ahead of him. So he's basically middle of the road at this point. But he's 27 years old, and he, you know, I, I don't know. That I would say that there's a lot that a lot more upside to his career, but he's not a bad guy to have. And I mean, you know, you're not going to resign him at top end money, I, you're going to get him at a fairly reasonable price. And as I mentioned in my post today, unless he feels like he can go somewhere else and just, you know, 
uh, break the bank, then then you know his best option I think is to stay here where where appreciate what he can do. Um, otherwise, he's probably going to go. You know, and you know some will argue that maybe it's just lack of talent or whatever. But you know he's not going to go. He's not going to go to a team and immediately start unless they're just absolutely hurting for for players. Um, either that or they just throw a bunch of money at him. He's going to go and have to compete for that. Here, he's he's got a chance he could actually start. Um, you know, he's got a leg up on the guys, you know, uh, the guys he's competing with. So, you know, why not resign him? As long as it's not some average $10 million a year kind of deal, you know. I'm not opposed to it. Okay, sorry about that. I'm back. We, uh... We, we had a caller call in, so I was screening him since I don't have James on here. So I'm trying to play the producer role tonight, too. It's kind of fun. It's not something I usually get to do. But uh, since since I broke up the train of thought there by not being on the air when you finished, obviously, what you were saying, uh, I'll just go ahead and bring Dolphin Fan for Life on. And how are you tonight, Chris? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Doing well. What's on your mind? All right. Um, first off, uh I wanted to kind of like hint back towards what you guys were talking about as far as like people that drop stock and all that other stuff in the draft. I'm right. actually going to stay on topic this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, one guy whose stock dropped was probably Gabe Jackson. His stock dropped about like to the lower second round, early third. Um, he was normally up there about lower one, you know, beginning two. Um, another guy whose stock dropped, uh, actually whose stock raised was Xavier Suofilo. Is that how you pronounce his name? Close enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, his, his stock, he, he's actually ranked above him now. Um, those are guys that pretty much did well in the combine, but there, there's just one thing that keeps bugging me about this whole off season thing. And I'm going to switch topics real quick, but what is everybody's fascination with signing or re-signing Randy Starks and Paul Soliar? Like, I know everybody's talking about, we should sign one or two or both or, you know, but I mean, they're looking to get about seven to eight mil a piece. And before, um, before last year, we were talking about how the team had no pass rush help, and so we got all new linebackers and everything got all pretty. And and last year we said that they need run help. And the funny part about it is, is the same two, the same centerpiece was there intact. It was Paul Soliai and Randy Stark. So they're not really like guys that you would really want to break the bank for because they're not real good at the run. Um, Starks, he's okay with the pass rush, but he's getting to be 30 and like five in the beginning and then he just tailed off. So I don't know why everybody... I think a big part of it is that the 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 linebackers were trying to figure out the system. And when you bring in a new linebacker, it 
especially when you bring in a new middle linebacker. It will cause problems. It just it will. I mean, when you bring in two of the three and you completely change it, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And I think that's a lot of why Solii and Stark struggled because they're going to where they think the line they're, – they're blocking guys out of the way for the linebacker to fill a hole – but the linebacker is going to the wrong side or is going to the exact same spot that Solii or Starks are going, and you're ending up with two guys in the same spot and a hole left in the middle. Now, that being said, could you upgrade? You probably could, although Starks is really, really good, and I think Solii, I think Solii plays out of position because he is built to be a nose tackle. But he plays out of position, and he plays out of position really well, still able to do what a nose tackle is supposed to do, playing from a 4-3 defensive tackle position. So I I understand what you're saying. I think that there probably is some – there probably is some logic to the argument that, hey, you could get better. But at the same time, the question is how? Where are you going to get better? Because just having the idea that you're going to get better is great, but until you have an answer for how you're going to do it, Starks and Solii are really good players. Um, so I, and I, to add on to that, you know, he, you know, you mentioned that you know we brought in the new linebackers and everything was you know that's supposed to be the shiny new addition, and we we you know quote unquote got better with them, and it turns out we didn't. Um, you know, if, if you if you read some of Omar's stuff on something, you know, he's talking about how you know he he doesn't think these guys have the instincts to be the linebackers that we need, which is one of the reasons I posted today that I put a linebacker in there because I don't think these guys, um, I, I you know I don't know that they're going to suddenly turn around and get it done. I don't think they now are as you know they didn't play as well, and that hurts our run defense. You know, and I and I know some people say, well, if you're paying these defensive tackles, you know they're not, they're supposed to be getting you know tackles and stopping the run too, and that's true. However, you always know every year that it's always linebackers are always have the most tackles um, because they're the guys getting to the running backs. And right. I don't know how many times I'm, I remember the Buffalo game. It was third and long. They handed the ball off to Fred Jackson. We missed tackles. We missed tackles. He gets the first down, game over. And Dan Harpenter kicks field goal. And, <coughs> Excuse me. I couldn't you know, had no Sorry. Point. And it was, you know, just – our guys could tackle. How many times could we uh, do we see Philip Wheeler chasing guys down the field, or Ellerby chasing guys down the field? Now Ellerby did make some plays in pass defense and was actually fairly decent in coverage. Um, I thought, for the most part, not great, but not bad. But it, it's this whole idea of trying to upgrade, and and I understand the point from financial situation because you know they're they're thirty years old. They're, they're they only have you know uh, probably one. Last contract. They're not, you know, they're, these aren't guys that you're going to, you know, keep a whole long term. We're talking three to four year deals at tops. But if you let those guys walk, you've got Jared Audrey, he's pretty good. And then who else? And you don't know who you're going to get. And you don't know that if you get a free agent, that they're going to be better because we thought that with the linebackers and it didn't happen. And you don't know that the guy you're going to draft is going to be any better. And while we like these draft prospects, there's no guarantee that they will come in and play at any point at the level that Starks or Soli I have. So, in my opinion, when you've got a lot of other needs, 
um, specifically on the offensive line. I mean, we've got basically only one guy that's a returning starter. You know, you can take your chances with with building that through free agency, and I think we'll have the money to do that as well. But, you know, that's a need that you have to address, but you can also address that through the draft as much. I mean, I'm just not a fan of taking a, a strength of the team and making it a weakness. I mean, yeah, we could draft some guys and it would be even better, but we already know that the linebackers are struggling. If we get a, a, another defensive tackle on there who's not as good as the guys that we have, our defense is going to be even worse. So, you know, I, I'm a fan of keeping a strength to strength. You know, I've seen some people talk about, well, we don't want to de- dedicate a lot of money to Brent Grimes, you know, because he's, he's going to be 31 years old and how do we know he's not going to get hurt again? And I'm like, you know, people complain about the talent on the team and why would you let talent leave? I mean, he locked down he locked down his portion of the field. He did not allow a, a touchdown all year. So, you know, keep a strength, a strength, and try to build up weaknesses. Um, I mean, that's just kind of how I'm going to tackle spot. A lot of these weaknesses can also be pursued through free agency. I mean, you got, like, Gene Monroe. Everybody's big on him. You've got, you know... In the draft, you've got guys like James Hurst, who's going to be available in the third or fourth round. You've got guys like Suofilo, who's going to be there in the second round. I mean, you don't even have to waste a first-round pick on, like, half see, of these guys. But see, that's the thing, is you don't know that those guys will ever pan out to be, you know, as good as, as you think they are. And that's the problem. That's, that's the whole danger with the draft is that, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I've always been kind of a draft-for-need kind of guy, but I sort of changed to the best player available spot because, I mean, you, you've got to look at it, you know, you need to have, of course, you know, you're only going to have, you know, seven, seven, or, you know, most teams only come away with, you know, six. I think the most, like uh, last year, the year before last, the 49ers had like 11 draft picks. I mean, you're, you're not getting a, you, you can't build your whole team just through the draft in one year. And, it, it always, you know, it seems good that you can pick these guys up and they can be um, good players. But, I mean, I'm sure we thought the same thing with John Jerry a few years ago. That he, you know, well, we drafted him, he'll be a guard, he'll come in. Um, and some of these other players, and they just they didn't pan out. And so remember, remember Jonathan Martin was for a long time projected to be the Dolphins' first-round pick. And when they didn't take him and he slid down the board and we got him in the second round, everybody was ecstatic because that's a first-round pick that the Dolphins just got in the second round, and he's a no-kidding left-tackle prospect who obviously did not pan out as a left-tackle prospect or now with all the drama of bully gate or whatever you want to call it, obviously pan out as much of anything at all. Yeah, and so and that's, that's the problem that you deal with. And my, my whole point with free agency is um, – you know, you're going to have to overpay for guys in free agency. That's just the nature of the game. But in my opinion, if if re-signing these guys is not going to affect anyone else that you can re-sign, then, then why not re-sign them? I mean, it's not my money that's yeah. being spent. I mean, if, if Ross wants to go out there and throw money at guys or whoever, I, I'm fine with that. You know, if if it comes down to saying – uh, we've got a chance at Eugene Monroe, but it's either Eugene Monroe or Randy Starks. And I'm only toward Eugene Monroe for, for several reasons. But if you can get both, why not? And I mean, we saw what happened and, last year. We had a ton of cap space, and, and 
you know, Aponte knows how to work the contracts around where she, guys can fit stuff in and 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 make it work. So, and I mean, the Dolphins, yeah, right now the Dolphins. Now, granted, it's a little bit different than last year because the Dolphins' base last year was without all of the uh, re-signings that we need this year. But the Dolphins have a little bit less than, but about the same amount of money this year that they had last year. It'll come out to once the um, the cap is announced and they finalize exactly how much it's going to be, the Dolphins are going to be just shy probably of $40 million again to spend this year, thanks to they're going to roll over about $18 million and they'll have uh, – They'll have plenty of space this year, so they they could. But I go back to I, I go back to the same the the thing I was saying that maybe Soli I and Starks aren't the greatest players at the position. But are you going? Do you know that what you're going to get is going to be better? When you look at Eugene Monroe, you know he's going to be better than Jonathan Martin or nobody since. Right now, the Dolphins won't have anybody at that position at left tackle. Could they re-sign McKinney? They absolutely could, and I don't think that's off the table. But I, I think that when you look at that, if you know it's going to, if you know you're going to be able to upgrade it, you do it. If you don't know it, Soli is good enough that you keep him. Yeah, and, and I mean these, and I'm looking at Pro Football Focus. They've got a a chart up of their top-rated free agents for each position. Uh, Randy Starks is listed as their top free agent at the defensive tackle position. Uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, Tony McDaniel is third. Uh, Paul Foley, I checks in about uh, let's see, eight, uh, just ahead of Linval Joseph. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of factors in this. I mean, these guys are older players. Uh, they don't have a lot of years left to them, but I mean, most most contracts that you see now, you're not getting you know long seven year kind of deals that you have anymore. Things are more with shorter deals, just simply so they can get out of it later. Um, so I mean, if you resign one or both of these guys, you're looking at a four year deal max, and you know it, it's probably going to have an escape clause in a couple of years anyway. Kind of like the the Mike Wallace and all the contracts we signed last year. Uh, if if you know. The team wants to move on from LRB or Wheeler or Heartline or whoever else they want to move on from. They can do it next year and, you know, not suffer a cap penalty because of it. And I was, uh, would assume they would work the same thing with these guys. So, yeah, again, again, to me, as long as signing these guys does not uh, inhibit you from signing someone else or improving another need of the team, then I have no problem doing it. I mean, and, and at the same time, it's got to be reasonable, too. I mean, if it starts out there like, I want $10 million a year, then you're going to go somewhere else because, you know, we're not paying that to you. But, um, you know, I mean, if he if he wants a reasonable contract for his position, and he's played well at his position, um, you know, I, to me, it goes back to the linebackers just not being as good as we thought they were going to be in run defense. And that's why the the – Defensive tackles didn't look as good last year. I think that they didn't have those guys when when they were, you know, collapsing the pocket or doing what they do. The linebackers weren't there to clean up the mess. I mean, you always saw uh, Dansby and and Burnett around, and Cole Macy did well. I thought. Um, I think he was a good re-signing. I think he plays well for his position. So, um, 
One thing, I think, I, I think we're going to be looking for new linebackers within the next year or two. One thing about that is um, I think we also have one of the linebacker spots filled with the guy we got from Florida. I know that we talk about him like, I forget his name. It, it always escapes me, the names of like one or two players. But Jelani they said Jenkins. they like the way. Do it. Are you talking Jelani Jenkins? Yeah. I know they said they liked a little bit of what he showed last year. Um, another thing to note is that, you know, we had our linebackers were also playing hurt for most of the season. I know um, Ellerby, yeah. like, he his name for like six, seven weeks on the injury list, probably playing whatever. Ellerby I mean, and Wheeler injuries, were both, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of that has to do also, I mean, with their stiffness and everything else, they're playing hurt. So you can't really expect them to do anything. But one thing I want to bring up, and I know stats don't paint a whole picture, but if you look at their stats in 2013 and Dansby and Burnett's stats from 2012, they're eerily similar. You know, and this is with Philip Wheeler and Ellerby right. playing hurt. So I mean, with all these people saying that they're not really, you know, they're not defending the run as well as, like, say, Dansby and you know Burnett. But I think a lot of people were basing that off of the fact that you know Dansby was playing a beast over in Arizona last year. You know, so they're like, oh, we got. Wheeler, and he's not playing as good as Dansby is over in Arizona. Well, of course he's not. You know, Dansby knows that scheme. Dansby, you know, Dansby plays that scheme. But if you compare them side by side, 2012-2013, I mean, their stats are eerily similar. So, I mean, to say that they weren't really playing that well to do almost as good as both Burnett and Dansby did in 2012 while playing hurt, you know, I don't really see that. But, you know, I don't know. Like, a lot of people are willing to sign Clemens back to another deal. I personally would rather see that money go to Ward or somebody else like that. You know, I I, I just don't see, like, everybody says we need to get better. You have opportunities to get better. They're like, no Aaron Donald in the first round. Okay, but Aaron Donald beasted it. They're comparing him to Geno, you know, Geno Atkins. Yeah. And if you can get him in the first round and then pick up somebody like Suofilo in the second round, then you can pick up somebody like Hurst in the fourth round. You don't really need to allocate all that money to other players. Everybody's so dead set on, oh, we need a left tackle, we need a guard, we need a guard, we need right tackle. I don't... There's just so many ways to handle this, and I just think, you know, signing Starks and Soli to four-year deals is not the way to go, because I already know, you know... Soli's agent is in the Jerry Maguire mode. Show me the money. Um, <laughs> you know, Starks, the last two contracts we signed to him, 
it's been about the money. So to expect them to, to want any less, Starks is not going to want less. You know, he's going to want about a seven to eight million dollar deal that pays him about that much. Regardless, for that much, I'd rather spend a bit less, get a Melton, get a Linval Joseph, or get somebody like that. And to be honest, Linval Joseph, he plays better against the run, too. He also plays better against, you know, as a pass rusher. Well, I mean, I, I I'm, just, fine with, I'm fine with picking up another guy like that. And, and that's, the, I mean, it's possible that... Um, you know, it's possible that you can find an upgrade like that. But here's a couple of questions I have. Number one, is people comparing Aaron Donald to other players? But, I mean, everyone's saying that Davion Clowney is the best you know, defensive end prospect to come out in a decade or however long. Who's to say that guy will be a bust from day one? I mean, no one knows how these draft picks are. So you don't know how they're going to turn out. I mean, Geno Atkins was, a, what, a third or fourth round pick. I mean, if, if you redid that draft today, he would be a top five pick. So, I mean, you, you just don't know who's going to pan out and who's, who doesn't. So to say, well, I'm going to, you know, to say I'm going to let these guys walk because I'm going to draft a guy, you know, to me that that's kind of risky because you're replacing proven production with unproven production. Now, that doesn't mean Donald won't be much better, but he could be much worse. And so you uh, basically let a strength walk, walk away from the team for a guy that is not a, you know, you just can't tell with draft picks. And I know at, at this stage of of the offseason, all draft picks look great, I mean, but, but a lot of them just don't pan out. And, I mean, you just can't, you can't rely on that. You know, I think that's why you see, saw what Jeff Ireland did with, with Deion Jordan. I mean, that was a position that we didn't think that we needed. Um, well, we thought you know, we might. Because we didn't know how Vernon was going to be in. Yeah, I mean, and people were, and, and people complained about his playing time, but we had we had proven talent already ahead of him. So it was kind of like if, if Jordan panned out, you know, we have we have an, an embarrassment of riches. If he didn't, well, we were fine where we were. You know, well, we had by letting guys walk. Again, it goes back to drafting for need. A lot of people are saying we Miami needs to draft a left tackle in the first round because they don't have one right now, and that's a huge need. Time, you know, you don't, um, you know, you, you don't uh, create create other holes on the team. I mean, you're, you're basically saying I'm I'm having to draft a defensive tackle in the first round because I don't have any now, and I'm not a fan of that. I, you know, again, it's not about breaking the bank or anything. It's about you know, making sure you have the best best players on your team. Um, and, and another position, if people are worried about the salary cap and, and other things, my question is, where are you going to spend this money? I mean, what are you saving it for? I mean, I, I don't understand, you know, we've got, let's say, $40 million in cap space. Let's say we let's say we go extremely cheap and only spend $15 million of that. So you've got $25 million. you're going to roll over next year, that's great. But if you're going to be cheap every year, what's the point? I mean, the, the point of having that cap space, in my opinion, is to spend it. Um, so if you can, if you've got the money and the room to sign guys, why not do it? I mean, if you think you can find a guy there like Joseph or some other defensive tackle to replace a guy for the same price, then sure. But I'm not... I, I'm not saying, well, I, I'm just not with the fans. Well, let's 
you know, let's go out and, you know, we've got to have space. We shouldn't spend it here. We shouldn't spend it here. We've got to spend it somewhere. You know, why not spend it on guys that we know are pretty good? Um, and I'm reading some of Jason Scott in the post there. Um, and, you know, he's talking about um, you don't pay big money for guys that eat blocks. Well, I, I got to be pretty good against the run. Um he said uh, he's looking at the totals for. He said Randy Starks had a combined tackle of 49 last year. He had four sacks. Uh, he brought up some other guys. Um, Marcel Darius plays a different position. He plays defense end in a three-four, so that doesn't that lends itself to a different set of circumstances there. Um, so let's see, I don't know about Soleil, but Soleil didn't get his uh, many snaps. Um, let me go back to because Pro Football Focus does a list of snaps. Um, Soli, I got so he got uh, he got 526 snaps compared to uh, say Tony McDaniel who had 536 snaps. A lot of other guys had more than that. So um, you know, but I don't think Paul Soli is going to want as much money as Randy Starks would. So I think he's I think he's willing to. And the agents are you know like you said they're they're talking about money now, but um, you know, and again, I think that one of the things that, the, that I noticed about the linebackers is, yeah, they put up some totals, but uh, Philip Wheeler was getting subbed out of the game late in the year um, on passing downs and, and other downs. So basically, he was he, he was getting fewer and fewer snaps. And that's just because he wasn't making that much of an impact. And guys can rack up tackles. I mean, um, our safeties racked up a ton of tackles in 2012. But you don't want your safeties getting, you know, a bunch of tackles because that means people, guys are getting to them. Um, and that was the problem with our run defense is our, our linebackers were making tackles. It's just instead of being, you know, three yards or less from the line of scrimmage, it was, you know, seven or eight yards past the line of scrimmage, you know. <laughs> so it, uh, all tackles are not the same. So that was what I was looking at. I mean, I mean, when we had Dansby and Wheeler here, they were better against the run than what LRB and – um, and we were, and, and you know, they they supposedly were brought in to be better blitzers, and I think they had a grand total of what two sacks. Um, you know, just I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan of, of them anymore. But you know, again, it's just it's, it's about where you want to spend your money. And you know, I would be a big fan of getting a guy like Jerry Bird if uh, you're gonna, you know, if you're talking about getting a a good deep safety. Instead of Chris Clemens, the problem is he's not leaving Buffalo. They're going to franchise him again. They're going to throw money at him until he until he relents and signs the contract that that they want. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they franchise him as long as they could. I mean, he's not leaving Buffalo. So uh, you look at uh, some other safeties on the market, and people are like, well, you know, who, who's going to be better? We don't know that. We don't know if there's a draft pick that's going to be better out there. Um, I mean, T.J. Ward's a good, a good. It would be a good safety to have, but you know, we don't know who's going to be available. So that's the problem. That's another thing, an issue I have with free agencies. People are like, well, let's sign this guy and that guy. And that's all well and good. But when I was writing my post yesterday, I was thinking, um, I want to take Eugene Monroe, and I thought, as soon as I post this, he's going to re-sign with, with Baltimore and just ruin my post. We don't know who's yep. going to be available. And Chris Clemens may be the best safety available on the market. And if he goes and we let him walk and he signs somewhere else, then we're going to be signing someone who's not as good. And 
or that, and you more. know, you know, we will absolutely play the "Why did we let that guy go?" game next year. Yeah, because how many and, people were screaming up and down that we need to let Dansby go, and then Dansby went and had a good year, and everybody was like, "Well, we were stupid for letting him go." And the thing with Clemens is this: you know, if you're looking for a an Ed Reed type guy who's going to, you know break up in the game for you and get a lot of that's that's not Chris Clemens' game. That's not what he does. He's right. a guy that's basically they tell him they tell him, You're gonna play deep, make sure nothing gets behind you and that's what he does. And he's very good at it. He's not flashy. He's not gonna be the guy that's gonna pull down seven or eight interceptions a year. But at the same time we didn't need that. Well tell me look at look at what our cornerbacks did. Now, my cornerbacks had all kinds of, of interceptions last year. Our safeties had one each. And I'm fine with that because typically corners are they're the ones getting thrown at more than safeties, so they're going to have more chances to get the ball. Um, one of the things a lot of people talk about was Rashad Jones not playing as well. He was asked to play more man coverage than he did in, in um, right. 2012. That was part of our linebacker coverage that wasn't as good. Um, I do think Jelani Jenkins has a chance to break into the starting lineup this year. He was I remember the at the end of at the end of the New England game, when Tom Brady throws the interception, the first two people to run over to Michael Thomas was Chris Clemens and Jelani Jenkins. So he was in the game, not Philip Wheeler, um, at the end of the game against Tom Brady. To me that says enough about Philip Wheeler. You know, they're not trusting you in a big game after they paid you all that money. And he may have been hurt, I don't remember. So if he was, he was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he played hurt. I just don't know if he was hurt to the point he couldn't play. Um, but, uh, because I know a lot of them played hurt, but they they were subbing him out. So, I mean, I mean, there's just a, a lot of ways we can go in free agency. And I think that, you know, I was a big fan of wanting to draft a left tackle this year, but I'm kind of, I've switched. I want to go the free agent route simply because, I don't want to go into the draft drafting for need. And that's why I'd like to re-sign as many of the guys as we have as possible. And I, I agree with what um, what Reggie said on the roundtable last week. Um, you know, he doesn't think that we're a, a bad team, that we are, um, you know, several years away. He thinks we're a few players away from being a playoff contender. And I agree with that. And I think Stark and solely I are guys that are a part of that. Are, are there better players out there? Sure. But, you know, do you need to have, you know, a lot of great players at, at every position to be a winning team? No. And if it's about the money, so, well, you don't want to pay these guys a lot of money. In my opinion, who cares? Um, if, if you think those guys are going to play well for you, pay them whatever you want to pay them. You know, I mean, yeah, you don't want to overpay when you could have somebody else who's better for a cheaper price, but you know, maybe Limbaugh Joseph will be available, but who's to say he's not going to be just as expensive? We don't know, that, and, you know, we saw how the free agent linebackers went. We don't know who's going to be better. So I'm just a big fan of keeping what you have, at least the good players you have. You know, as long as it's affordable, keep the good players you have and go out and get improvements at other positions that you have needs for in free agency and then draft for whatever you want. And I would love for Miami to be able to go into the first round of this draft Maybe they can draft Aaron Donald, draft a defensive tackle. That would be great, you know, but just draft whoever you want to draft because that player's there and that's who you want. I don't want to go into this draft knowing that I've got to draft a left tackle at some point 
because I don't have one. I, I'm just not a fan of that. So do you think we should keep Patterson? I mean, we know we're going to get about three interceptions from him. I, I'm not keeping Patterson for this, this reason. Is he is always hurt. That's been a, a, I read a tweet about him last year. They said his issue with him has never been talent. It's always been durability. From when he played at Cleveland, Philadelphia, everywhere, he's been durability. So, I mean, you're paying a guy $5.4 million, which is decent starting money for a cornerback, for a guy who you don't know, who you can pretty much bet is only going to play five or six games. Yep. And considering he has no dead money, we have Nolan Carroll, who played you know, rather well uh, at the position. We have two young guys. Um, and, and Jamar Taylor and and Will Davis. I, I, he's a guy that, and if you can cut him and then re-sign him to a a a good deal, that, then I'm I'm cool with that. But I'm not keeping him at five point four million to sit over on the sideline. I mean, I'll 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 call up Dennis Hickey right now and say, look, you can pay me one quarter of that, and I'll go sit on the sideline because <laughs> I mean that's what he's going to do. So. You know, it's one thing if you're, you know, it's one thing to throw five point four million a year at a guy like Nolan Carroll, which I think would be overpaying. But even if you did, you at least know he's going to play. Um, throwing throwing a lot of money or, you know, spending a lot of money on a guy who's not going to play or not going to see the field is, is you know, just a waste of money. With the exception of being the backup quarterback, I know that was a a point with some with, with Matt Moore, but you know that's that's a different animal, um, but. Yeah, if, if you're gonna pay Demetri Patterson five point four million a year, you know he better he better play you know at least fourteen games. And you know I mean per 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 snap he was an interception machine. I mean he was on pace to like have thirty interceptions or something this year based on his per snap. <laughs> uh, but he just couldn't stay on the field. I mean, it, I mean every game that he played, he, he played the first game got hurt, missed a few games, came back, missed a few games. Came back, the first play against New England, he picked off a pass, got hurt, couldn't stay in the game, and he was out. I mean, if, if you're paying that kind of guy $1.5 million a year, sure. 5.4, no. Mm-hmm. Well, I probably tied up too much of y'all's time this week. Um, but no, it was good, uh, good conversation, good, good questions you brought up this week. Thank you. So, thanks very much for calling in. No problem. And uh, I'm sure if we're on the air next week, we'll talk to you then. All right. You have a good night, Dalton. You, you too. Uh, the the one the one thing that we haven't talked about because we haven't had a show since since it happened was obviously the Michael Sam uh, coming out and saying that he's openly gay. He it was something his teammates in college all knew. It never caused a problem there. And obviously it got a lot of attention because it's the first time. Uh, in the end, once we get into the season, I really don't think it's going to be an issue because it will happen. And once the media gets past there, oh, my God, this is awesome. We need to cover it a million times. It'll die down, and by the end of the season, it it 
it very much so feels like the Manti Teo situation, where it was the giant news story, everybody was all over it, and by the time we get to the season, it'll be like, oh, yeah, and they'll cover it week one, and then week two, it's an old story by then. And I think that, I think that it's big for the simple reason that it's the first, but I know a lot of people on the site would ask, why are we even talking about this? And it's a valid point because it's a big story because it's the first, but at the same time, it's not really a story. So it, it's kind of weird. It's going to be interesting to see how teams deal with it. I, I thought that I thought a lot of teams would bring it up at the Combine to players, how would you deal with this? And apparently it didn't even come up. Most They said most uh, – most prospects went into team interviews expecting that question, and it just never came up. They said more often was, what would you do in a situation if you were in the Dolphins locker room? Apparently that was a more common question than whether or not you could handle a gay player in your locker room. So I just I, – I didn't want to bring it up. It is – big news and we haven't had a chance to talk about it but your thoughts do you think it's going to hurt him in the draft or do you think that GMs and owners will just deal with it and if players have problems with it they're just going to tell them to suck it up and deal with it well I think that if you want some good insight uh, on on this topic go back and watch the round table um, watch the round table we had last week with Reggie because it got brought up, and I think he covered it perfectly in what he Did said. I, having I will admit having I had not watched that round table yet. He, uh, having experience in an NFL locker room, I think what is key here is the word openly. Because right. he said that this goes on and has gone on in NFL locker rooms for years. And yep. it is very naive for fans to think that this will be the first situation where players have dealt with gay players. He said right. he he said on the show that he did not name any names, but he said that when he played, there was uh, guys in his locker room that were that were gay, and everyone knew it. Um, but it didn't get out to the public. Um, so you know, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to put him on the spot. And I thought that that was actually he, he mentioned that on the on the air, so you can go back and watch all of that. It, it, it's to the players, the general managers, to everyone else involved with the team. This is nothing new. So right. It's not a big deal. Now, if if the question is, should Miami draft Michael Sam? If I'm Dennis Hickey, I would think twice simply for the fact of what just went on with the locker room scandal, do you really want more media? And you know how you know how crazy the media is. I can, I can see it now. Them drafting Michael Sam and ESPN and Steve Young, you know, his head exploding on screen just because <laughs> that's, how, that's how they are and stuff like that. Now, I don't think they will target him simply because they don't need more pass rushers. They've got enough. But... I don't think it's going to cause his stock to drop. Um, I, I think they're going to grade they're going to grade him based on what they see on the field, and simply because they know it goes on in the locker room now. 
I'm sure there are gay players in the NFL right now that no one knows about, except the players on the team, um, except, you know, and the general managers know this. So to them it's like, uh, well, you know, I know my locker room and player X over here is gay, so who cares? So, yeah, I mean, it's a big story to the media. It's not a big story to the people in the NFL. Right. I think so, that that you 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 touched on the key part. I don't think that Sam himself being in the locker room is going to be the issue. I think it's going to be the media that's going to be the issue. That does the coaching staff, does the front office, does the owner of a team want to deal with the media and rightfully or wrongly it's going to affect his draft status in this in the sense of do you want that kind of distraction around your team now look what happened with KO last year and they had one press conference and then it was over it was we're done and KO didn't talk anymore and if he goes to the right team that can happen now he gets thrown into New York and he's with the Jets or with the Giants, obviously the media market's a little bit different and it's going to get crazy. But yeah, I think I think you're I think and, you're right. And and, and you can include Miami in that simply for what we yeah. dealt with with Martin because yeah. that's going to yep. be a nationwide media storm if there ever was one. And um, unless. Unless Dennis Hickey's stupid enough to come out and say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to draft this guy. I mean, they can get away with not drafting the guy. I mean, no one is going to know um, whether, whether if he, if the Dolphins didn't draft him or anybody didn't draft him, why they didn't draft him, if, if that was right. the reason he won. But, yeah, I mean, that would be – if you're a general manager in a, in a big media market for, in this case, Miami with a situation – he might be a player that you'd want to steer clear of just because you don't want to deal with the media. And to put it, to put a, a another kind of a spin on it, look at Tim Tebow. Okay, he's a media circus for a completely different reason, and people didn't want to touch him. They didn't want that mess right. going on with their locker room. So, you know, you can kind of look at it from that same perspective, just a different thing. I mean, in you know, like I said, a different different area. You know, teams just don't want to deal with. I mean, there's some teams out there that can handle it. They have strong coaches. You know, anybody that goes to New England can deal with it because of their culture up there with Bill Belichick and Brady and everything. But you know, some of these teams, they may not want to bring, they not, may not want to bring media scrutiny on themselves. I think it, it, it's going to be something to watch this year, and you you may end up you may end up getting sick of a story. Because people are going to keep talking about it, but it it will die down and it will become a non-story eventually. So it'll happen. It'll be over, and then we'll move on. I think that um, Jason Collins being back in the NBA will probably take some of the steam off the Sam story, just because. Now you have a gay, openly gay player playing in one of the big four sports. So I think you'll you'll see that. So um, I think that Jason Scott, good point, brought it up. And it, it's true. Sam did not perform well at the Combine. So that's going to hurt him. 
and somebody will spin it into, oh, teams are backing away from him because of he, because he's gay. But he ran a just shy of five second forty. Um, he only jumped nine and a half feet, not quite ten feet, something around there. So in the broad jump, so he he did not have good numbers and that's going to hurt him a lot. So he, he's still, I mean, he was not a, he, he wasn't going to be a first day pick. I mean, we're not, we're not saying that, but it'll be interesting to watch to see what happens with him. I, honestly, I think that this, this is such a media driven story. If they wanted to end this really quick, what they need is for several NFL, NBA, whatever sport, have those players just kind of get in front of the camera and say, listen, this is nothing new. This has been in the locker room for a while. You know, we've had gay players in, in every sport. They, were they open about it? No. He's open about it. It's been there. Who cares? That would end it right there, in my opinion. Right. Yep. Because the media is acting like, oh, wow, this is something new that, we don't know how it's going to happen. No, that's not true. I mean, players know this. They just go out there and say, listen, you know, I'm player X. I played however many years ago. And we had, you know, this, you know, not name names, but we had gay players in that locker room. Just just people need to, the, the players need to, to say this stuff so that, you know, I think that would kill the media. Of course, the players that are getting paid by the media sources aren't going to ruin the story, but, you know, they could end it. Since since we're kind of on the subject without actually being on the subject, um, I haven't talked about it since I haven't been on the shows for a while. But the Wells report, the 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 main thing that I find interesting with the Wells report at this point is just how many players. And granted, it's not like I'm not talking 25, 30 players, but just the players that are coming out and speaking against it, because some of these players, they have zero reason to speak out against it. I mean, Bryant McKinney or Tyson Claybo don't have to say anything. They can just shut up and completely disappear because they're going to be free agents and probably not going to resign. Granted, McKinney might, but you're not looking at a guy whose reputation is going to be made or broken by the Wells report, yet they're coming out saying how factually incorrect they find it or how they don't see or they think that Wells got it wrong or that there really wasn't anything overly or over the top with what the Dolphins were doing. And um, John Denny's comment that you could put – Ted Wells into any locker room in the NFL and he'd come out with the same report because he had to come out with something. He had to say something. So it's, it's interesting that so many players that aren't tied to it, it's not incognito. It's not Martin. It's not Pouncey. It's not Jerry. It's guys that one aren't involved in the story and two aren't, don't have to say anything because they're not necessarily going to be with the team next year. Yet here they are saying that, Hey, Ted Wells got this wrong. 
So I just I find that interesting, and I don't know if it'll change anything. <laughs> I don't know if the NFL in the end will suspend Pouncey or suspend Jerry or suspend Incognito. What will happen to Jonathan Martin? Um, you hear fans or read from fans all over the place about how John Jerry or uh, not John Jerry Richie Incognito is a vile human being and will never play in the NFL again because GMs and owners will stay away from him. You hear how Jonathan Martin won't ever play in the NFL again because GMs and owners will stay away from him because he's soft and he did this to the Dolphins. And in the end, it's all going to come down to can they play football? Okay, then they'll make a decision. They'll they'll be on the team or they won't be based on that fact. And Incognito definitely can play football. And he very much so could end up on a team. Now, today's events of beating a Ferrari with a baseball bat, that kind of hurts a little bit. So he may want to tone that down. But I really think that what we're finding here is I think both Martin and Incognito had mental health issues. And it just – they were thrust together because the – left tackle and the left guard are going to be thrust together. And it worked out unfavorably in this situation. I think that both of them probably need some sort of mental health treatment, and they both probably could play in the NFL again. But I don't know. It just – it's a bad situation, and I don't know if it's getting any better. But everybody's going to keep talking, and the Wells Report is out there for whatever the Wells Report is worth. I don't know uh, who it was. It was someone on the site, and I apologize for not not, uh, not remembering the, the, the their screen name, but I think they said it best about the Wells Report uh, on a thread I read the other day that said, the NFL asked Ted Wells to find something, and he found something. They said he was not going to yep. go back to them with a, sorry guys, didn't find anything report. It right. was, you give us something with some, you know, you give us something that makes us look good or makes uh, makes it to where, uh, you know, remember, if this, if this comes back that oh, nothing happened and he produces all that stuff and now oh, it's not really bullying and this is just how the NFL is, it's going to kind of make the NFL look like, you know, a bunch of barbarians. Uh, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, I agree with what, what that what that commenter said. Was you know they asked him to find something, and he found something. That's what it was. The players that come out speaking like this is garbage. Probably understand. Well, yeah, this is garbage. This didn't. You know, this wasn't a, a matter of harassment or whatever else like that. But you know, I think there's probably a lot more behind it agenda wise than than we are aware of. But you know, I, I don't know. I, I think pe- teams will. You know, kind of stay away from Incognito, maybe simply because he has a history. Um, you know, he 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 was drafted by the Rams. They cut him. Went to Buffalo. They cut him. Miami took a chance, and and he did all right here. And then you know this comes up, so there may be another team that takes a chance on him. But you know, he, he's basically one more strike, and he's out because you know he's already got that that you know rap sheet. I don't know that. <clears throat> Jonathan Martin has that, although if players kind of like, you know, 
you kind of got the impression from what John Denny said that he was a little angry with Martin for kind of the way things went down. So if players kind of think, yeah, this Martin guy, if I say the wrong thing around him, I might get ratted out or it might be considered harassment or something. He may get treated a little differently in locker rooms. But, I mean, something will take a chance on him, I think. I, 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 just, I don't know. I, I don't know that he will uh, – I don't know that he'll ever have a a. Uh, I think it'll be tough for him to build some camaraderie with with other offensive linemen uh, or other players on the team after this fact. Because I think people, you know, it's just I think it's just human nature. If you know you, if you you're around someone who you know is going to, uh, who has, has done something like what he did in, in the terms of um, left the team. Did all this other stuff with this report? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna watch what you say and watch what you do around that guy, and that's just gonna make for a uncomfortable situation for everybody. So, I can honestly see that he, him going to a team and them going through their going through the meetings, doing the practice stuff, you know, and then as soon as all that's over with, they just like you know, all right, you go do your own thing, dude. Uh, yeah, and, and kind of leave him out of it just because they don't want that don't, don't want the hassle of hey maybe this guy's gonna rat me out one day. Because I, I I'm still of the belief that while whatever was said may have been terrible or whatever that it's not an uncommon thing. And I think uh, and Reggie mentioned that last week on the on the on the uh, the uh, roundtable was that you know the stuff gets said in the locker room and you know that's not a it's not a new thing. It's not a limited to the Dolphins locker room thing. So you know that there's somewhere out there that there's offensive linemen out there that have had the have, that have had camaraderie that have used. Uh, I think I read about the uh, I think it was the offensive line for the University of Miami when Vernon Carey was there that they use racially charged uh, racially charged words toward each other in a way that was friendly. I believe there was, I think there was a Hispanic guy on that line that they they mentioned. There was a, several uh, black people, several white people, and they used that, and that was part of what they did. You know, that's never happening again as long as Jonathan Martin's around. You know, right? So, I mean, he will, he will not be included in that kind of thing. So he may be, he just may be a lonely guy in the locker room. Something may, if he's cool with that, then you know, sign him, whatever. I don't know that you're going to get a, a really good player. Um, Although I think he can move inside the guard and be all right. Well, we're a little over an hour. We're a little under our 90-minute target time, but we pretty much ran through my uh, my talking points for tonight, so I'll just turn it over to you. If you have any last thoughts, anything you want to bring up, and uh, go ahead and start winding down the show. So what's on your mind? Um. Let's see what did the comments. Um, it just seems really. Uh, it seems like it wasn't that. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about this stuff for 2013. It's already back around. So I know time flies like that. Um, but I think this off season is, is going to be critical uh, to the Dolphins, but in a different way. I think last year was kind of a. Jeff Island saving his, trying to save his job, trying to, you know, kind of mentality. I don't think it's the same way this year, simply because if the team doesn't 
succeed this year, then the new GM can just say, you know what, I'm going to clean house, get rid of Tannehill, get rid of Philbin or whatever, and start anew. So he can kind of – he hasn't had that freedom. But I think it's critical that, you know, this is the first – his first draft. This is his first offseason. He gets it uh, – he goes into it strong. Um, you know, get the players you want to get. Don't don't be weak. You know, don't say, oh, we're getting Eugene Monroe or we're getting Brandon Albert and then not get those guys. And then you end up signing, you know, somebody else that you didn't really want, your fourth or fifth option. Right. Go out and get the players you want. Show that that you're you're here to mean business. Um, one thing about Jeff Ireland that I never really particularly cared for, which is his kind of his his attitude toward um, re-signing current players, and I understand it to one degree. You know, don't don't bid against yourself. So don't throw money at Randy Starks that he's not going to get somewhere else. But at the same time, don't don't be nonchalant about it to the point like I oh, just hit free agency and you'll come back. Kind of kind of mentality. So it makes me a little nervous that from what I've read that that this GM is going to let the guys hit the market and kind of test it, and then you know hopefully they'll come back with an offer. But that may that may not happen. So right, I'm a little worried about the, I'm a little worried about some of that. But um, you know I have a feeling that you know and. And I'm not going to buy into the whole idea that I mean this guy's a, he's a new new GM and you know, you know in Ryan Clark situation where he said nobody like Jeff Ireland nobody wanted to play for them I, I don't think I read another uh, I was reading something today about Eugene Monroe and I I think it was the Ravens blog whatever their their blog's called and and I was reading some of the comments and they're talking about Eugene Monroe possibly going to Miami and I thought like, oh, he's too classy for that organization they're a terrible team blah 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 of course that's what other fans say and. You know, I don't care very much for the Ravens either, so uh, I would have a lot of good things to say about them. But, um, you know, it's just kind of – I think fans view this view this team as a place no one wants to come to. But, I mean, if, if Eugene Monroe doesn't re-sign with, with, uh, doesn't re-sign with Baltimore, and he's like, all right, well, let's see who's out there. Oh, yeah, there's a city down in Florida where I used to play. Uh, yep. Great nightlife. And they're throwing a bunch of money at me, and there's no state taxes. Yeah, I think I'll go play for them. So, you know, sadly as it is, money talks, and and I think that's how it's gonna that's how it's gonna begin free agency. And I think we're gonna do well in free agency. I don't think we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna be the big spenders like last year. Where I remember watching, you know, we we had the Mike Wallace deal, and we kind of expected that. I was watching. Uh, NFL Network, and then James texted me that, oh, we just signed Ben and Ellerby. And I thought, what? I have to play that with the Blues. It's like we were signing everybody. And I don't think it's going to be like that again. I think we're going to be, we're going to be signing a lot of our players. We're going to, we're going to target one or two, uh, one or two guys to go after that are kind of main guys, and everybody else will just kind of be those, um, who is that one guy that would, picked up as a guard, and then he got hurt, and we cut him. I can't remember his name. Yeah, those kind of guys. Um, uh, just those kind of, this guy's a, you know, a backup from somewhere else, where I think we'll find guys like that, but I don't know. Um, right. Another interesting situation will be Dustin Keller. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they treat treat him, especially now that Charles Clay uh, kind of emerged as, as a threat. Uh, not not 
a, a, not as the same kind of threat as Dustin Keller. It's a, a, a similar position, similar role, just different types of players. Um, you know, Clay's a guy that he will, he can break through contact. Dustin Keller, I don't think, is that kind of guy. Dustin Keller's more of a, in my opinion, more of a finesse, speed kind of guy. So um, depending on how his rehab does, it depends on, on what kind of contract he will seek and whether the Dolphins want to re-sign him. Um, so, because I mean, now that Clay kind of fills that role, um, yep. do you, you know, if and you've got guys like Sims and Agnew who are, you don't really know what you have, and you might can develop, still develop some of, some of them a little bit. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see what the, what the, the new offense is going to look like under under Laser, um, as opposed to you know, what Mike Sherman had, so. Right. Uh, I think there's a, uh, I think that, I think you're right on the free agency. I think Stephen Ross has already told um, Hickey that spend what you need to spend, go make this team better. And we, like, like I said earlier, we have $40 million roughly. I think it, I think it actually, if it comes out to, 133 it comes in at like 38 million or something if the salary cap is at 133 million for this year it's something like 35 or 38 million dollars in cap space is what the dolphins and, will and have not to mention, and not to mention you know getting rid of um excuse me I'm about to sneak yeah if we get rid of somebody like Patterson yeah you get rid of Patterson or, and Moore yeah, or you know, even if you restructure them and give them smaller, you know, different deals, um, right? You know, you can you can add some more cash space. I mean, you can get the guys that I mentioned getting rid of in my post today. Martin and Daniel Thomas aren't going to give you aren't going to give you much cap availability. I mean, you're probably a million or so a piece at the most. Yep. So not a lot. Uh, Brandon Gibson's going to give you a little bit more, and Patterson could give you roughly ten million extra cap dollars. So, I mean, if it's it, again, if you're if if they are just have their heart set on re-signing Stark and Solia, and they want to go out and get the Brandon Albert or Eugene Monroe, uh, you know, those guys may just be cap casualties. And uh, OverTheCap.com has some articles and uh, articles uh, regarding uh, who they think are surefire guys to be cut and guys who uh, who. Uh, they, they listed some, and, and uh, Patterson was, was the, I believe, the only guy from Miami on there. I can't think of another one. Uh, there were some interesting names that that will uh, that could be cut. Uh, the one that I thought was interesting was Troy Polamalu. Um, I think they will say like, and, and Pittsburgh's in a pretty bad cap situation, and, and he's, uh, I think they can get like seven or eight million dollars of cap relief by releasing him. So. It'll be interesting to see him hit the free agent market if he will resign with Pittsburgh, which I think he would just because. Right. But you, you never know when uh, you got Jimmy Haslam up there and in, then in, in, uh, in Cleveland might just throw a bunch of bunch of money at him just to just to kind of stick it to the Steelers. But who knows? Well, guys, thank you very much for listening this week. Thank you, Dolphin Fan for Life, for calling in. Duke, thank you for joining the show. Um, hopefully, my schedule seems to be clearing up, so hopefully I'll be able to 
start doing these more often. And uh, Keith, uh, his work schedule was messed up this week, so he couldn't be on here. But we'll figure it out to try to make sure that we're doing these hopefully weekly throughout the off season. And uh, we should be back next week. Uh, probably have another Finsider TV roundtable, maybe on Wednesday, and then this show again on Thursday. So thank you guys, everybody, and everybody have a good night. Good night. It's the two megastars summer mashup, the awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for zero dollars, so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS and past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. <laughs> 